Brooke and I are going to do the role play that had been requested earlier, and that might help solidify some of the questions and um, also give folks a picture of what this could potentially look like. So just just so you know, this isn't staged. Michael and I didn't talk about this ahead of time. So I'm saying that to say that what's about to be said is genuinely what's what's coming alive for us in the conversation. I'm going to be the one advocating for the new bottom line. Michael's going to be the one challenging it, and he, he has great challenges. So um, okay. <laughs> you can, you'll be able to hear that. Can I just suggest that we, we have... Um, we, we may have known each other peripherally, but um, uh, we're at a, um, a July 4th picnic, and there may be um, 20 other people at this picnic, and, uh, for, um, and uh, Kat has decided to um, uh, engage me in a conversation I'm not sure I even wanted to be involved in because I just came here to picnic, but... Uh, but She's a smart person, and, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to, to engage for a few minutes. So. Okay, before we engage, I just want to explain one thing about what's going to happen. So I'm going to share something. Michael's going to challenge, and I'm actually going to out loud so that everyone can get a picture of what this might look like. I am going to actually model self-empathy out loud, and you'll know I'm modeling self-empathy because it'll, you'll hear me saying, oh, I'm feeling this, or I'm thinking that, or... So you'll know I'm modeling self-empathy in that in real life, this would not be out loud. This would be an internal process. I would be taking some deep breaths perhaps, um, but it would not be something that I would actually say out loud. But I'm saying it out loud here so that everyone can hear the internal process that all of you might be experiencing when you do this. And then you'll hear me do empathy out loud. Um, and you might... You might, before I do it out loud, you might hear me say, huh, I wonder if he's feeling da-da-da. And that means I'm not actually saying it out loud. It means I'm actually internally exploring it before I say it. So I just want you to understand what you're hearing from me. Okay, so we're at a July 4th picnic, as Michael just said. Um, so, Michael, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. I'm, I'm in this training where I'm learning about a new bottom line for, for our society. I'd like to share it with you. Are you willing to listen for a few minutes? Uh, as long as it's only for a few minutes, Sure. But I, I didn't come here to talk about uh, anything too serious. I'm here for, you know, having a good time out here in the, the warm weather. It's beautiful out. And uh, this is July 4th, after all. Picnic time, you know. Okay, so self-empathy. Okay, I'm already noticing myself getting upset and feeling some tension. Um, and I'm having some judgment thinking, oh, here we go again. People don't want to talk politics, and we can just enjoy our enjoy our little time alone here and, and pretend that everything's fine in the world. And uh, I want to live in a world where people are willing to think about these issues and engage um, a lot, <laughs> even at Fourth of July picnics. Fourth of July picnic, which is a representation of what is so great about America, and I, and I want to talk about that. <sighs> and I appreciate that... Uh, his priority right now is for fun and relaxation and maybe talking about these things aren't so fun. So um, thanks. Thanks so much for your willingness to talk about it. I really appreciate it. And um, and I can appreciate the desire to kind of not talk about it because here we are at a Fourth of July picnic and you want to do something that's fun. And and I'm also aware that at Fourth of July it's about celebrating, in a, about celebrating our country and our freedom and what it stands for and and so for me, a new bottom line is a vision of what is great and can be great, even greater, about the United States. 
And what that is is a vision of a new uh, a world based on values of love and kindness. So right now, as I know you're well aware, the our institutions, whether they're our social institutions, our political institutions, our economic institutions, whether they're our schools or our hospitals or our healthcare system, all of these things are judged successful or efficient and productive based on the extent to they ma- to the extent that they maximize money and power. You you know that, right? I mean that's something that's really obvious to most folks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, everybody talks about the bottom line, and uh, actually that's how uh, it, it's an effective way to measure uh, efficiency and productivity in the marketplace. So I, I I tend to think that they've got a good definition going. In. But uh, I'm willing to hear what you have to say about it, what I don't quite understand. Um, I do – let me put it to you this way. I, I – I, I mean, yes, this is July 4th, and uh, there are plenty of things I'm critical about in the United States, and um, uh, and I'm I'm really glad that uh, some people have spoken up against the the racism that existed that led to the the murders in uh, Charleston, and uh, uh, and other people are trying to get uh, some um, some passage of uh, some restrictions on. Uh, how much pollution should be done in in the world, and uh, so if that's what you're saying with your new bottom line, then uh, uh, you don't have to go on. I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm for uh, I'm for ending the racism. I'm in the, I'm for it, uh, and I'm for saving the planet from environmental destruction. So, um, but we're you know that's we we have to do that within the framework of the current existing reality, and that's the marketplace and. Uh, like that, so you know, if we can get, if we can, if we can get, a, I think the place to, you should start is not with me at a picnic here. You should go and talk to some corporations and see what they say. Hmm. Deep breath. This is again my internal process. Hey, this is kind of challenging. I'm uh, not quite sure where to go with it. I'm really wanting to feel a sense of more connection, and. Um, so I'm going to try to first create a little bit of a connection. So, Michael, um, I really just want to pause for a moment and, and acknowledge the fact and appreciate the concerns you expressed around the racism that's going on in our country and the violence in Charleston and beyond and your desire for some con- constrictions on pollution so that our environment is clean and safe. And so I'm appreciating the shared values and connections around that and the new bottom line actually goes further in 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 those ideas and so so what it says is that instead of the bottom line of money and power that we want to measure success of our institutions to the extent that they maximize money and to the extent that they maximize love and kindness care and generosity social and economic justice environmental sustainability the capacity to respond to each other with deep respect and integrity and care for one another <clears throat> and dignity, as the court just talked about in the recent case, same-sex marriage case that came down, the dignity that people so desperately are yearning for in our society and the capacity to celebrate and enjoy our universe. Because I really believe that if we are able to celebrate and enjoy the magnificence and awe and wonder of our universe, that we will actually take some of the challenging steps that need to be taken to transform our world so that we can sustain this environment, not only for ourselves, but for future generations. 
So um, actually what I'd love to hear back is what you heard from me, what you heard I said that was important to me. Mm. Well, you know, actually what I heard you talking was um, a lot of sweet sentiments about love and caring and kindness and uh, uh, awe and wonder. Um, and those are the kinds of things I, I like to deal with when I go to church, you know. Um, but uh, I, I don't really... Uh, I don't really get that stuff uh, so much in, in politics. Uh, are you sure you're, you're wanting to have a political conversation here, or are you just wanting to affirm some mm. some sweet sentiments you, you you've heard elsewhere, or you know, uh, maybe in the counterculture, maybe in the your re- religious world? So, so you so it sounds like if I'm understanding you that you see a, a demarcation between. Um, the world that's created in church and the world that's created in so- the larger society in politics or even in, in our social settings in the larger society. Is that is that what I'm understanding, that there's a desire for yeah. some separation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's the First Amendment, you know, is keep keep this stuff out of, keep religion out of politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, let's... And that's the problem with those right wingers down, you know, that are you know, running the Republican Party is that they're all... Uh, um, that all those right wingers want to bring religion into the whole thing, and uh, that's so. Um, am I mistaken, or is it, am I? I think so, that I'm hearing something from you that's uh, right. that's kind of crossing the boundaries that that right. we live with. So it's wanna... important. Yeah. So it's important to you that there be this real separation between religion and the state so that people have have the freedom to practice their beliefs without being oppressed and and without being discriminated against and that sounds like that's really important to you yeah absolutely you've got you got me you're understanding me now great thank you for that so um yeah, so I'm wondering if you're willing, I, what I'd like to share with kind of what I'm saying and how I see that slightly differently than how you're understanding me, because I don't think you really, I think I haven't explained it very well then. Well, you're, so, yeah, um, sure. Oh. So I'm not actually saying that I want religion in our politics, but what I am saying is that there's some really um, rich um, values that all, all religious traditions and, and many secular humanists and non-religious people and non-spiritual people actually value and those values and actually think are really important and those values are caring about each other creating a really caring society creating a society and creating caring society means creating a society in which people's needs are met in which they're um they're they're fed and they're housed and and they have and the environment's well cared for because if the environment's not cared for, then people's health suffers and the environment as a whole and the planet suffers. And, and that when we operate our society based on money and power, based on the bottom line of maximizing our money, then those values actually end up losing out. It's not like they take a second seat. They actually aren't even on the table for discussion. And what we're saying is let's place those values on the table for discussion and build a world based around those values as a priority. And that's really what is the new bottom line, is building a society based on the values that are shared across religions, across spiritual traditions, and across all peoples, all peoples, regardless of whether or not they identify as religious or spiritual. And, and so it's not bringing in a particular religion, religious belief around a particular issue such as 
um, abortion or same-sex marriage or things like that. It's talking about bringing in these values into how we judge our institutions. Do you hear that differently? That's what I'm wondering right yeah. now. Do you hear that differently from what I said before? Yeah, that, um, right. and I, I get what you're saying about values being important, and uh, um, I haven't ever thought of sharing values with the right-wingers or, or the uh, evangelical Christians or those who are, you know, who... But maybe maybe there are ways. I, I don't know about that. But but here's the thing is, like, uh, how do you bring that into politics? I don't get how you... What do you... What do, you do you have some concrete ways to, 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 to bring that into politics, or just is this just a slogan? What, what are you talking about? So I think what I'd like to do now is pause here, um, and so these concrete strategies that we have are something we will be talking about on a later call, but I want to pause here um, because I, I have a sense that we did a good job of at least modeling and, and and give an example of what this might look like. And um, I think it might be helpful to see if anyone has any questions um, or feedback for us about that. And um, I will tell you, it's not easy. I've done this many times. Michael's definitely quite challenging on these, but probably no more challenging than some of the other folks we might run into. So, um, yeah, I'd like to open up for folks. So if you have a feedback or question, um, go ahead and press 1 on your keypad. Mark Mendoza. Okay, wonderful. Uh, let's hear from Mark. Mark, go Hi. ahead. Am I on? Hello? You're on. Yep. Okay. Um, how, how do we be? How can we be not realistic? Because that's that's the issue. It's like um, we live in a practical world. We have um, bills to pay, and um, we have to work. And the more money we make. We feel like we can accomplish our, you know, paying our bills and caring for people and things that way. But, but I, I, I want to know how can we not be realistic? How how can we go above that? Does that make sense? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we are going to have a whole session on that, but let me just give you a few little pointers here. Number one, when we say don't be realistic... Um, we are not uh, urging you to try to violate the laws of physics, okay? So please don't anybody jump out of a window saying, I'm not going to be realistic, I think I can fly. Um, we're, talking, we're talking about something that human beings co-create and can recreate, right? Namely, the way that we exist together in a social unit. Um, so... That's the level of realism we're talking about. Now, in relationship to that, um, uh, what, what we're wanting you to be able to do is to help other people open their eyes to the fact that over and over again, what has been taught to us as what's realistic is actually only a consensus that exists because most people who don't want the world to be the way it is nevertheless have been convinced that it's unrealistic to change it. And you've experienced, in fact, almost every single person that you will talk to um, after the training or during, during the training when you go and try do these exercises, they've all seen this incredible reality that just happened with gay marriage. Ten years ago, when, when, the, when this was being brought up, the overwhelming percentage of the population was against it and 
not only were they against it, but m- many, many, many of the activists who support um, support gay rights and so forth said, this is the wrong issue. This will never happen. It's impossible. Uh, no, people's opinions will never change on this. It's, uh, why don't we just narrow the focus to getting um, protecting gays from being fired from their jobs for for um, uh, for being gay? Don't don't uh, go to something that is so extreme. And the activists, uh, the gay activists, said, "No, this is core to what we need. This kind of uh, this." This change in recognizing us as equally valuable uh, to others gives us the opportunity to change things on all other kinds of levels if we can win this one. And most of their friends said the same thing that, that, uh, hey, this is unrealistic. It's never going to happen. So what we are trying to help you understand is that you never know what is possible until you struggle. You often for, for years or even sometimes decades, for what is desirable. You never know what is possible until you're part of a movement that is building and uh, articulating a vision of what is desirable and insisting that that's what they have to go for. So we'll talk more about that, but that's a partial answer. Again, I'm not, none of us here is telling you um, we want you to resign your job in the corporation and, uh, um, you know, not, None of us is telling you that you, uh, that you have to fundamentally change your, your life at this moment. What we're asking you to do is to accept the possibility of possibility, that there's something about this universe that makes possible the transformation from that which is to that which ought to be, and that consequently uh, what seems fixed when it comes to human relationships and social, social organization, laws, uh, mores, values, etc., can and have over and over and over again been radically transformed way beyond the common sense of what is realistic. Does that help at all, Mark? Mark? <laughs> okay. Does that help at all, Mark? It, it does. I mean, yeah, I mean, hope. We, 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 have, we need hope that We'll be able to be able to help others through generosity, through caring. That's that's what we are we're striving for, and um, I'm looking forward. And it is, but the thing is, it's not based on pure faith. It's also based on looking at the history of the the social change movements of the past 50 years and seeing incredible transformations. I mean, apartheid overcome. Segregation overcome. These were these were systems that were in place for for dec- many decades, and nobody thought they could be overcome. Then uh, the the change in the status of women from barely any being able to go into the law or to medicine or to all kinds of other fields, barely any any having um, having uh, the sense of rights in relationship to their husbands. Uh, tremendous transformations that we've all seen happen. We have to allow that to sink into our deep unconscious so that we begin to realize that what everybody says is realistic ain't necessarily true, as the beautiful song goes from Porgy and Bess. Anyway, (laughs) moving right along, because there's somebody else that we want to call on here. Amy? Sure. Yeah, let's hear from Michael. 
Uh, Michael, go ahead. Hi there. So, um, Michael and Kat, I so enjoyed the role play. Thank you very much. That was absolutely excellent. And a couple things that I noticed, um, um, a lot of things I noticed, but one one of the things was that Kat um, emphasized um, the the values underlying. She articulated the values. And that allowed it not to be an argument. Um, in mm-hmm. other words, Michael was saying this and that and this and that. But and um, so anyway, um, yeah. This, that's, that's this a, I know is what is what you two have been uh, uh, urging us to do is to is to articulate the right. values. Right. And, and we're right. Central. Not only to articulate the value. Not only you. But we're ur- urging you to urge others <laughs> to do that too. Mm-hmm. To get, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, because for example, um, I I would love to see Bernie as uh, as president of the United States, but I I don't think it's going to happen. And I think it could happen if he were to talk a language, some of this language that we're talking about now. And mm-hmm. uh, and I do think that so the social change movements could be wildly more successful if they did what happened with the gay movement when it moved from the focus on we have a right as like everybody else we have the same rights as everybody else to a language about love in which they started to say look what we want is to be able to love and and build loving families in the same way that you do we share the same values that you do you who who have thought that we're um, a, an unruly element, that we're not like you. We're just like you because we want the same thing you do. We want a world of love. We want to have a family of love. When, when they switch from rights to love, um, dramatic change in the, in the consciousness of the American pu- public. It's really, it's really a, it's an incredibly good example of exactly what you're saying. Gay, the you, gay Mike. marriage example. Yeah. Because you, 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 when you know, Michael, when you use the phrase "love," it, it um, sometimes when I've heard this, and I have for several years, because I've been I, it was with the Network of Spiritual Progressives for several years. But when you use that, it somehow in the past has been sort of embarrassing or a little awkward. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's not the way we're supposed to talk about politics. But of course, it is, and the, and the gay marriage issue is a stunning example of that. Exactly that. Yeah. And if you read the if you read the um, the opinion given mm-hmm. by the the, just, uh, the justice who was the swing swing vote Kennedy uh, Kennedy, you'll see that he refers specifically to these kinds of this kind of discourse. It's this that moved him. It's this that made him able to go away from. Uh, what often is, is siding with the, the court's conservative majority to side with uh, the, the court's otherwise liberal minority. So um, it's precisely this kind of language that, that makes the difference in reaching people who are not yet with us. So what happens, um, I just want to add one more thing here and then we'll open up for one more with time for maybe one more person, is that when we pull on the needs and it's... Um, that we actually, people actually feel a sense of their hearts opening and a sense of connection. So I don't, I don't believe, we could, I can ask Michael in a second, that he shifted, if you will, or became more open to me because 
he thought that's what he was supposed to do in the context of the role play. I actually think probably through our conversation, he actually was able to genuinely shift a bit from a more closed position to I don't want to hear you to a more open position, oh, let me be curious and listen to you. And by me becoming curious through my empathy, it allowed his heart to open into curiosity as well. And so there's a there's a way that I'm moving him through um, different levels of his own internal experience through the empath through the empathy. And it's not something I'm trying to do manipulatively. I've definitely done this with people and not moved them, and I've just stayed in empathy, and that's been fine too. But I often do find that it ends up moving people into a more open, um, responsive place because I'm start talking about things. I highlight the places where I hear what they're talking about is the same thing that I'm talking about, where the values are actually shared. And once I can talk about that, then they can hear me. Mm. So that's um, just one thing I wanted to add to that. So thanks thanks for um, pointing out, Mark, kind of what you noticed. And so I'm, I, we have time for one more person before we have to wrap this up and give you the practice for the next 30 minutes and the assignment for the next week. So is there one more person? How about Susan Hillbrand? Sure, Susan. Go ahead. You've got the mic. Hi. Thank you so much for that uh, role play. I was with the first person that asked for that. We found that it was difficult for us to be on the other side because that's not where we are thinking. But (laughs) I pulled up something that um, really, this is why I'm taking this course. I was part of Marianne Williamson's campaign for Congress, and those who don't Mm. know, she ran as a a spiritual, um, bringing spiritual spirituality into politics and against money in politics, so money and power. So I wrote to a friend who's a Republican, or asked, invited a friend who's a Republican in this uh, district to come hear her speak because we're good friends. And I, even though I know he doesn't agree, um, I thought it would be for good dialogue because I know he likes that. I'm going to read, it's very quick, his one of the responses back to me after I invited him to read her website. Williamson wishes the world to be a nice place, full of peace, love, and happiness. It ain't. The world is dangerous, unredeemed, full of conflict and strife. On a personal level, we might be able to attend some equanimity. On a national level, such a political stance is not only beyond reckless, but criminal. And on top of that, she cites Dennis Kucinich, Watch out for the alien abductors. Now, I found the rest of this email to me was so um, in attack mode, and I went immediately into empathy, but I could not respond back. I just felt it was mm-hmm. better for me to just let it rest. And But yet, this is a good friend, and and I want to be able to speak to friends and family that do not see this the same way and try to get what you were trying to do, Kat, was so helpful helpful for me because it is not easy. Right. And to to bring those values in. So I just wanted to share that yeah. because you know, that's what brought me to the course. Beautiful. So I, I love that you brought that and that's such a great letter. And what I would really encourage you to do, Susan, in the next week and then share it. Um, either in the Facebook group or if you're not in the Facebook group, send it to me. And um, if you're okay with it, I would like to then share it and, and work on the letter of response. Whether you send it or not is not the point. It's just an opportunity to practice this. But to practice going through the letter first, really line by line, 
and giving yourself empathy. And after you give yourself empathy, and you might be able to just give yourself empathy after reading the whole thing. You might not have to do it line by line, but you might find yourself having to come back to it. And then after you do that, then go through the letter and line by line, ask yourself, what is she feeling right here? What is her needs? And and put it in, you know, enter it in after she, after that first line, um, and really go through that exercise. And you might, as I said, you might need to after each line, then give yourself empathy before you can enter the line to give her empathy because it might be so triggering. But use it as an opportunity to really practice because if you are able to do that, you will find. Um, whether you send it to her or not, like I said, you'll find that you soften in these interactions and that you'll be more skilled actually to engage. And um, whether in the chimes when you want to, because I'm hearing you say you want to be able to, and I think we all want to be able to. Um, so um, Susan and Amy, we need to un- unmic her for one second. I'm wondering, I mean unmute her. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to do that and then share that um, so that we, I could then help you and give you some feedback on it. I think it's a great exercise yes, I would for love, others to see. Yes, I would. I would love to do that. I was actually going to call. It's a he. I was going to call him and do oh. uh, the bottom line, but he's he's out of town. So I um, eventually wanted to do that. <laughs> but um, so I think if I do go through this first, it would really help me to get through those emotions. Um, right. That's a great suggestion. I'll do that. Thank you. Great. Thank you. So can I say something about the, the doing this at the party? As, um, one second, yeah. So one second, Michael. Yeah. So Michael's going to give the homework assignment for the week. But before we do that, I just want to say that you, for the next thirty minutes in your pairs, uh, now that you kind of have a better picture of how you might do this role play, I invite you to practice the role play around the bottom line again with each other, um, so that you can really practice it and give each other feedback. And to the person who's challenging. Here's the thing that I always say. Imagine role being, not role playing, so that you're really embodying somebody who would object. So, so Susan, for example, you might embody that man that you want to call and do the practice with when you're doing the role play with your person in the small group and you're objecting. You might actually want to embody him. And then during the role play, if the empathy is effective, you might find yourself naturally shifting, naturally opening, naturally responding in a way that you might think, well, he would never respond that way. But we don't know, and I have found that I'm always amazed by how creating an empathic connection creates a different energy in in the communication. So, um, again, so what you're going to do is you'll actually have a lot more time because we have 30 minutes if you can stay on that long, and then just decide who's going to go first and who's going to go second, and the first person share the bottom line, and the second person object, and the first person will practice self-empathy and empathy, and then switch. And you'll have to track your own time on this, but then switch after about 15 minutes. Or you could switch after 10 minutes if you want and give each other feedback. So, um, And now, um, Michael, you're going to share, set up the um, exercise that we want you to practice for the week, um, for the next week. So. So what we're actually asking you to do is just what we've just done. We want you to, on uh, the July 4th weekend, find somebody at some event that you're going to, and if you're not going to any event, then um, speak to somebody uh, in your neighborhood. And if you don't have anybody in your neighborhood, speak to somebody that you live with or who, and if you don't live with anybody, then call a friend and just say, I want to tell you about something that I'm excited about, this new bottom line. 
and um, have the conversation with them. Uh, deal with their objections. Don't expect to convince them. Don't expect to, to quote, win an argument. But use the opportunity to, um, to actually um, go through both self-empathy and empathy for the other as you proceed in the conversation. Then write it up. Write up what, what's happened for you. Uh, write it, when you get home, write up what, what she said or he said, what you said, what he said, what she said. You don't have to get every single one of those lines, but the basic thrust of what was tried and how it, how it worked and where you put the empathy in and where the empathy didn't work and where you were stuck and couldn't figure out what empathy could be. And then send that to us on cat uh, at spiritualprogressives.org um, and, um, so that we can see what you've done and cat uh, is not going to be able to respond to each one of these, but we will look at them and uh, have some idea about what are the, uh, the, the difficult positions and how do we work them out. 